Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of The Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd, I'm the Digital Media Editor at Heart, and I'm delighted to be joined by two professors from the Netherlands. Uh, could you please introduce yourself to the Heart audience? Yes, hello, I'm Iris van Hagen. I'm a resident of cardiology uh, in the Erasmus Medical Center, Department of Cardiology, uh, in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. And I just currently finished my PhD on the subject of cardiac disease in pregnancy. And I was supervised in this project by Professor Jolien Rose Hesselink, who's next to me. Yes, my name is Jolien Rose Hesselink. I'm a professor in cardiology with specific interest in pregnancy and cardiac disease. I'm the chairperson of the new task force for guidelines, ESC guidelines on pregnancy and cardiac disease. And I have the honor to co-chair the ROPAC, the Registry of Pregnancy and Cardiac Disease. Brilliant. It's a really esteemed panel that we're joined by today on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. And you guys have published recently a Education in Heart article entitled Managing Cardiac Emergencies in Pregnancy. And this is a very comprehensive paper. And I really just wanted to touch on two or three areas of the paper that people might not be uh, familiar with. Um, first of all, you break down really nicely the different kinds of cardiac disease that you can get in pregnancy. And you talk about the WHO risk scoring system. Could you discuss this a little bit and how useful this is in day-to-day -day practice? Yes, of course. Thank you for this uh, excellent question. We think that the WHO classification indeed is a very important uh, stratification tool uh, within pregnancy. Um, it is a tool that is advised by the European Society of Cardiology guidelines currently uh, and was developed in 2006 by uh, Professor Thorne uh, from uh, London. It is an expert opinion-based tool with uh, four classes, um, group one, group two, group three, and group four. And group one is a, a class of cardiac uh, diseases uh, with a risk during pregnancy that is comparable to the risk in women without any cardiac abnormality. So it is not expected that there is an increased risk of, for instance, heart failure uh, in these patients in class one, while in class four, the risk of cardiac problems during pregnancy is extremely high. And this is why we suggest to avoid pregnancy in this class. In class one are mild uh, lesions such as repaired uh, atrial or ventricular septal defects. And in class uh, four, there are people with problems like pulmonary hypertension, uh, a severely dilated aorta. And for instance, in class three are people with uh, a mechanical valve prosthesis. So these are at, uh, certainly at an increased risk during pregnancy of complications, but with good uh, follow-up during pregnancy and uh, a multidisciplinary team involved, we expect that these women can have a successful pregnancy uh, and potentially without complications. So this is um, globally what is the, the stratification is for, and we think it's very important in each woman that Contem uh, contemplates pregnancy is discussed before pregnancy in a preconception 
counseling, but also in a multidisciplinary team. Taking into account this WHO classification, is this patient at risk and do we need to inform her about these increased risks and what should we do during pregnancy in terms of follow-up uh, and medication? That's fantastic. And you mentioned there the concept of a, of a preconception team. Uh, what kind of team members would typically comprise that team? Well, at least, of course, the obstetrician and the cardiologists and preferably these specialists have also interests specifically in women with heart disease and pregnancy. And next to them, anesthesiologists, because we need to make a plan uh, concerning the delivery, vaginal or uh, cesarean delivery and how to uh, approach that in terms of uh, anesthetics. Next to that, uh, we sometimes have extra uh, specialists depending on the underlying diagnosis. Uh, okay. But I think those three people are the most important ones. Yeah. And of course, this is really this is really useful in women who have pre-existing heart disease. The concept of a a heart team in these in these uh, patients is very useful. But what about patients where we have the sudden onset of heart disease during pregnancy? And you talk a little bit in your paper about acute myocardial infarction during pregnancy. And you say that this is a, a relatively rare event, but actually is a little bit more common than you'd expect of women who are not pregnant of the same age, if that makes sense. And you also talk about the etiology of myocardial infarction in pregnancy being fairly different to that of myocardial infarction in non-pregnant people. Could you talk a little bit about that and the role of, of coronary artery dissection, for example, in causing acute myocardial infarction? Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed, there is, a, there is an increased risk of myocardial infarction during pregnancy, but still the occurrence, the prevalence is very low. The slight increase that is there is probably attributable to the fact that there are um, major hormonal ch changes also to the vascular wall. And we think that these uh, changes that are perfectly described also by an article from 1967. Wow, okay. It is very a very nice article that describes the the differences in the vascular uh, wall uh, due to hormonal changes probably, which causes a, a decrease of the integrity of the wall. And that means that um, probably during uh, pregnancy, there is an increased risk of um, uh, dissection of these vascular walls and indeed, uh, hence the, the myocardial infarction, but also uh, aortic dissection in uh, women with uh, a uh, predisposition to uh, aortic problems. So you think it's the same underlying cause, the, the change in the tissue structure because of the hormonal influence in both conditions? Yes, that's what I assume, yes. Okay. And again, moving on to patients with pre-existingly normal aortas, pre-pregnancy, but in patients with Marfan's disease, I mean, is pregnancy an absolute contraindication in these women? Well, that depends on the preconception diameter. Uh, indeed, women with Marfan's disease, for instance, are are at extremely high risk of problems during pregnancy. But if they have a, 
um, completely normal um, dimension of the aorta, there is um, the possibility to consider pregnancy, but still it is a risk for aortic dissection. And I th think Jolien, as an expert uh, of aortic <laughs> disease, wants to tell you something about this. Yeah, please go ahead, Jolien. Well, I think if the aortic diameter is normal, then the risk is not zero, but I think it's not too bad idea to uh, consider pregnancy. But as soon as the diameter is increased, and that is for Marfan patients, when the diameter is above 45 millimeters, then the pregnancy is a contraindication. It's not advised to become pregnant. Okay, 45 millimeters. That's useful information. Infarction. Indeed, during pregnancy, we see more um, dissections as a cause of myocardial infarction, but also thrombosis. So you can have a um, thrombosed coronary artery. And indeed, you can also have atherosclerosis. We have more women who become pregnant at a later age, and they often have been smoking or have uh, obesity. So the overall risk of myocardial infarction is increasing. And finally, just to finish off, uh, one intriguing statement that you made in the article was about the use of cesarean section uh, in cardiac emergencies in pregnancy. And I'd always believed that, that it was a useful uh, and rapid way out of any, any trouble that you might be in with the mother. Uh, but you state actually that the risks of cesarean section uh, are not inconsiderable and that often vaginal delivery is, is preferable. Um, I guess this, of course, depends on the underlying condition. Yes, I think this is an important um, question to deal with. Um, this is what we assume in, in daily practice, that, okay, a cesarean section is an easy way out. But there is a study from Dr. Raus um, that showed that uh, if you match patients between vaginal delivery and, and, and those with a cesarean delivery uh, with the same underlying problems and the same hemodynamic uh, status, that those with a cesarean section were not uh, better off than the post patients with a vaginal delivery. And on the other hand, these women delivered more often preterm and uh, also babies with a lower birth weight. So that means that the baby isn't better off uh, with this cesarean delivery. So we need to bear that, bear that in mind. And also knowing that vaginal delivery is not inferior to a cesarean section means that we need to really make a good good consideration. Is there really a good reason to do a cesarean section? Of course, in patients with a severe uh, cardiac emergency where you don't have any other way out, you need to do this cesarean section, of course. But uh, in the women where you have more time to consider your options, we advise to uh, make a strong consideration for vaginal delivery. Okay, that's really interesting and certainly something that I learned by, by reading your paper. Well, I think in a um, cesarean section, you also have more blood loss and you have more risk of infection. So, in fact, a vaginal delivery is probably the best approach in most women. Yeah. So, this is our first choice. And a cesarean section is reserved for women with a severely dilated aorta or with severe heart failure, or when they take anticoagulation, then a cesarean section is probably the better option. Okay, so once again, it's, uh, it's tailored to the individual woman and the individual situation. Indeed.
Okay. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today, but I wanted to thank uh, both of you, Dr. Van Hagen and Professor Roos Hesselink, for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Your paper is now uh, available for download on the HEART website, and it contains a number of really good, high-quality figures and algorithms that uh, guide the reader through management of many of these complications that we've discussed today. So once again, thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast. (music) 